Welcome to Tech Vets, the podcast, a show dedicated to exploring the world of tech and cybersecurity through the eyes of industry leaders and ex-forces personnel. In this show, it's all about how companies like Pega Systems are working with the MOD to upskill military personnel and deliver digital transformation across the armed forces. Joining us for this podcast is Australia-based Pega Client Success Manager and British Army veteran Mark Clayton and Ken Stilwell, Chief Operating Officer at Pega, who joins us from just north of Boston in the USA. And we also have James Murphy, CEO at TechFets. Ken, can I start with you? Can we talk about how Pega has teamed up with TechFets over the, the Pega Academy? And you better tell me what the Pega Academy is, first of all. Pega Academy is... an environment, a resource tool to help um, individuals, teams that are focused on enabling our clients and 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 other partners um, to become more skilled around our PEGA solutions. So what PEGA Academy is, the thing that's really unique about PEGA Academy is it goes through a very content-rich kind of learning experience and then actually puts yourself into the solution. It really gets, it's kind of very hands-on where it walks you through different ways to build the product. It's kind of like when you come out of it, not only do you know all the content and the theory around you know, digital transformation, you also understand the practicality of how the solution can be configured and how flexible it is, et cetera. So our initiative is really to, to reach this rich pool of veterans across the world where a lot of the discipline and skills that they've learned during their service time is very applicable to some of the some of the solutions that we're helping provide both commercial clients as well as as government and and uh, defense entities as well so it's very it's, it's a great we view it as just a, a great way to connect our solutions and how we scale the business, but also with a, a rich pool of very talented individuals around the world to be able to help further our mission. And PEGA itself, I mean, that's all about removing the layers of complexity in, in, in business software, isn't it? I think you talk about crushing complexity. So does PEGA Academy cover that? Yeah, so so our the main thing, one of the main differentiators that PEGA has is we help clients that have very sophisticated environments to be able to execute work end to end in a more automated way, to take out the the slowness, the the unnecessary human interaction when you're trying to do very manual tasks at scale. And so the PEG is helping our clients to automate that, connect with all of the different pieces of that workflow or that journey for certain activities, like if you're onboarding a client, if you're originating a loan, or if you're processing a claim or a dispute or on boarding a person for a health insurance plan. These are examples of how PEGA helps. The, the concept of crushing complexity really comes into play, which is our solution is what is what we would call a low code solution, which means that it's it's you don't need to have a, a, a senior computer engineer to be able to configure the system. All of us could do it with, with some with training that is available in PEGA Academy. And the reality is as we as we develop solutions as an industry, as a collective uh, global industry, it's it's becomes harder and harder to write code and constantly be dealing with that evolution of of how products. So we want to make it 
easier for our clients. And, and actually, quite frankly, you can deal with more agility as things change. All of us can configure and change the solution and let it evolve. And that's really the concept of solving the digital transformation with crushing complexity, not making building a system as complex as it used to be 10, 20, 30 years ago. So that's kind of the where the industry has been uh, evolving. James, you're the boss of TechFets. How does Peg Academy work for TechFets? I think straight away, um, the, the point that Ken made is, is very important. The fact that it's low code means that the members that we have coming out of the military in, in far more technical um, military careers nowadays than what it was, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago, but not necessarily writing code. Technical mindsets working with, with weapon systems or, or technical problems, but not necessarily writing code. And what this does is help them get a really sort of strong foothold in a very positive career in tech where they're, where they're building, creating and, and managing platforms um, in a low-code way, which is really good. That way they can then focus on, on the real in-demand skills as well because people can access Pega Academy and get these skills. But what, what's also in, in great demand are those soft skills that, that veterans bring, the ability to have those, to go out to a client and, and work through a problem set with them and define their requirements and help work through their challenges. Um, but also selling products um, is also in there as well. And, and I think what Peg Academy uh, does for, for tech vets, providing access to all of our members, which is incredible, it gives them specific pathways. And we've got two um, primary sort of recommended missions uh, to go in as a business um, architect uh, or, or a solutions architect. And, and these are really cool because people can literally start at point zero, see that, that pathway in front of them and, and what's involved in getting there, and at the end of that, they are a certified, um, skilled individual that can then also bring their military experience and soft skills to bear, land a role you know, with any number of the plethora of companies using Pega systems. And, and just if I could add one thing to what James said, if you think about what a business architect does, they're really a sort of a translation layer between the users of the system and what their demands and their experiences are and the actual system and how it's architected and how it solves that problem. So you don't, so you don't go from a user to someone writing code. You have you know, almost a translation layer of someone that's understanding how processes are built, but also what is the outcome that you're trying to accomplish? Is it logistics for trying to determine where equipment is and how does that work? And then, and then, but the great thing with PEG is because it's low code, that business architect can actually transition into configuring the system as well. And that's where you can almost you can you can actually build a very, very rewarding career as a business architect. But you some people decide to move even further towards the solution and become a little bit more technical, depending on their their own skill set and their preference and their and, and their uh, interest level. So that's kind of there's a there's a journey that you can take. And there's other content on there as well. Sorry. Uh, you know, uh, what, what I like about it is they can go down one of these routes, for example, let's say they want to be a, a systems architect. Um but but also they've never been they've never would have used certain products and tools like Jira for example. Again, that's on there. There's other things on there that they can round out their skills, so they have this really specific pathway. And then once they once they're getting through that and they've got that momentum going, they can start plugging away at various other bits as well, which is going to give them this whole sort of repertoire of skills at the end, plus a certification that really is going to have an impact on them finding a job. Now, Mark, as well as being a client manager for Pega, you're a a veteran and uh, I think you could probably see how Peg Academy could work for somebody leaving the army can can you 
Can you explain in your role as guinea pig how it could have worked for you? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I th- oh, well, I think the, the first thing is the amount that I could have learned while I was waiting for my 12 months, because my resignation period was 12 months. And I was waiting way back when I did it for resettlement courses. And the only time to actually see that technology, because I could never afford the license, was only doing the course. And it was only for a particular period of time for that one week. Um, so now, you know, with Pega Academy opened up, and as all the, all the good points already mentioned is, you know, you could say you want to be a, a business architect and it starts you right at the very uh, basics even down to the project management methodologies and our pega express methodology so over that 12 month period because we all know it's, it's sometimes it's scary you know going from a, a career and i joined at 16 and this was this new civi world you know you want to be um as well equipped you know we had the five p's in the military and, you know it's and and it's all about that preparation and planning for that next journey so having access to understand you know the methodologies around pega express and how projects are done in the technology land and you're not even out you're certified you're not even out and you're already starting i mean the other thing is things like you know linkedin and networking so you're getting your certification you're putting that on on linkedin you're looking for that network out there who maybe can give you that that first opportunity because that's all you need and you know with the skills and traits from a service personnel you know i'm confident you excel so what did happen to you then if you if you didn't do Peg Academy because it wasn't around how how did you go from where you were in the British Army to Pega today yeah, well, that's actually a pretty long journey. Um, but I, I suppose if we just break it down to, you know, how I got into the technology side and kind of leaving the, the British Army was, um, you know, I, I talked about the resettlement. We were given X amount of dollars. I did my Microsoft qualification. And to be honest, a little bit of a shotgun. I did my Novell qualification. I did city and guilds in maintenance in case I was fixing computers. Um, and I think a transport manager uh, just to really shotgun it. Um, but I was fortunate because the the course I was doing, the Microsoft course, the the team that were running that were ex-service personnel running for resettlement. And then they ended up offering me a um, an instructor because I was you know, in, in, in enthusiastic. Um, I was then going to be able to instruct on those courses and use that instructor skills that you get from the military as well. Um, but at the same time, I had another opportunity in, uh, in at Primus, a telecommunications company. So I just thought maybe just do the break, get straight into, uh, you know, the real world. And then, you know, the, the career took off from there. Ken, it's a it's a low code um, uh, environment you're promoting, isn't it? And I mean, is, does that help a veteran? Because starting like uh, Mark did from a, you know, a position of having to do a lot of courses, um, or, or, or does it make it too simple in some ways? I'm 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 trying not to criticise it, but do you, do you see what I'm saying? That, that there's that, that that might be too it might be too simple. So there's um, <clears throat> there's different levels of understanding um, what Pega does, right? And so there's a there's more of an administrator type role, which really is is I would say more like a like an like an IT manager kind of infrastructure support, making sure that you check users and deal with multi-factor authentication and access point. It's not really in the system itself. That would, that is, I would say um, more 
um, on the, I don't want to say junior, but more on the maybe less technical side. And the, and the system engineer, the, C, the, the lead system architect or the senior system architect, that's more on the technical side. Where, where the low code is, I would say, the most applicable is where you get into that business architect, right? That and, and into the, and because most people, have a have not a technical degree, but certainly technical competence or an acclimation. And if you think about people that come out of the military, they're working with systems. They understand the concept of processes. They understand, but they may not be a computer engineer, right? And so it's so in, in order to allow them to contribute to the content of it, they need to understand like how to create a case type, how to create stages in a case using, using kind of a, a user interface that's not. So when we say low code, it's not like a at some in Excel where it's that simple, right? You do need to understand kind of how the relationship, how to create an integration, but you don't have to write the Java code or you don't have to write the C++ and that, and that's the, that's the real difference, but you still have to have kind of a, a technical kind of slant to the way that you think, because if you don't have that concept of how systems operate and how you design them, you, you would probably not as be as proficient. So I would say it's, that's why we call it low code. It's not really writing the code, but it still does have a code kind of build solution mindset. And how is it going to affect uh, uh, military software? Uh, I mean, this, this taking the taking the low code subjects on a bit where do you see pega working with the military with this system so if you think about i mean this is you know the, the military is is not dissimilar to a lot of the commercial use cases as well which is what evolves over time we learn right so we we learn to do things differently we develop new technologies the military develops new technologies we have new relationships and interfaces with different governments with different entities right i mean that you you see that that changes just you know we have one unfortunately happening right now where there will be a change in probably the relationship with a with a country um you also have different personas you have different users that change over time you know uh the, look at the role of like logistics now versus the role of logistics maybe 20 or 30 years ago. Like, so things evolve, they become the systems evolve. So the reason why low code is so applicable to say military is because as the systems evolve, you don't have to live with an old legacy system. But what you can do is you can take a system that is built on a low code platform and you can evolve it. You can, you can make it more agile. You can make it relevant to the use cases today that may be very different than the use cases five years ago. And I think, you know, I think in certainly in the in the in the military space, I mean, it's an ever evolving landscape and you don't want to have to rebuild a system that you built 10 years ago that might actually doesn't isn't as applicable. And that's what happens. You kind of have that you know, if without a low code approach, you have to rewrite the code and you have to figure out how to migrate all the information. And that then that all obviously is a risk to the military missions if your systems are not stable or not reliable and you're going through that level of kind of transition or migration from one system to another. So what low code can help you with is to have a system that can constantly evolve and modernize over time without risk to the underlying mission of the system. Uh, that's fascinating. So, Mark, are you um, are you selling this system to military clients? I mean, are you are you in this because you have got military? Uh, you're, you know, you're in this because you've got your military experience. But does that mean military clients for you? 
not necessarily. Um, so I am. I do have defences. One, you know, uh, one of the federal, you know, in my portfolio. But I look after Service Australia. I look after IP Australia. Who do patents and trademarks. So just being ex-military doesn't always mean you have to stay with military. But you know, I have uh, a connection there. You know, if, if there's anything I could ever do using technology to save, you know, surface personnel's life, you know, I'd like to be part of that. So is there anything we can do better that, you know, for my brethren, you know, whether it's getting equipment out faster, you know, some things are, are, are small. Um, you know, we uh, in Australia, we have... Um, uh, something about, for, for me, that's the total well-being of a service personnel. We've got a posting, posting out app that's been developed on Pega. And, you know, the whole posting thing and moving can be stressful. I think they say it's one of the top five stresses in life. Um, but we've got an application now that connects into the removal list. It connects into the housing assets. It connects into the forms and checklists. But more than that, it's also open up to the to the partners who can then go on the app. Where are we? When's the check-in date for the you know the marching orders? So that well-being to get the service personnel the best experience because they're they're doing a lot for for our country. Um, so that's kind of where I'm passionate. So I, I do get naturally attracted to anything we can do to enable service service personnel. Is this a level of automation you could imagine when you were back in the, the British Army? No, I just remember being very bureaucratic. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, I was listening to, to, to what was being said and I was just thinking through automation, you know, we can get the speed, we can get the agility, you know, we can get a better service person experience. Um, you know, I think uh, back to the Gulf War because it probably shows my age a bit now. Um, but, you know, we had... Um, NBC suits were all olive green. Our uh, DPM were black, were, were black and uh, green. You know, and we needed different equipment. But it takes, you know, a big ship to turn to be able to, you know, work out how procurement works for the new things. How do we fix the helicopters? Because all the sand's coming in. We're not used to that environment. But I think through the automation these days, we can be a lot more agile in the military because we have multiple, you know, threats that face us, whether it's cybersecurity, you know, even down to COVID and how we've had to redeploy troops. And we've definitely done that in Australia to help out state governments. But through, through understanding and getting systems, um, you know, modern modernized to be agile we can do so much more and so much quicker james do you see veterans leaving today better at this kind of thing uh, or is is does, and does that matter i suppose is, is the question it really does matter i think the the mod you know it's, it's a it's a huge huge organization and institution and it's you know it's so complex i don't know any other organization in the world you know other than a military you know, that, that has that many capabilities that it's trying to deliver that are so diverse from one another. You know, it's very complex and it will be bureaucratic. But movement is happening, change is happening. More technical roles are, are being developed, you know, on a, on a month by month basis. You know, cybersecurity capabilities, infrastructure, networking capabilities, etc. And that's going to increase. But actually what we've also seen, and certainly in my two decades, there was a huge difference from when I joined and I learned the SAAT and the GPMG to when I was leaving and people were using monocular, um, you know, uh, uh, night vision stuff. And, you know, they were using GPS trackers and you know, Bowman comms radios that you could reach someone on the other side of the world if you had the right masks up, you know, using combat in the field. You know, and now we've got fantastic organisations that are bringing virtual reality training, gamified training in back into defence 
Um, so people are using real sort of leading, you know, next gen technologies to do stuff. Um, so I think I think generally even the the standard private soldier is you know and, and Ken Ken uh, mentioned it um, a minute ago. The, the, the standard private soldier in the infantry is dealing with a lot of processes and a lot of systems. You know, when you think about someone who's going into combat, you've got you've got your preparation for battle, which has all sorts of acronyms and, and mnemonics and stuff that they use to try to work out a process so they don't miss anything off. And then you've got the six section battle drills. You've got the platoon battle drills. You've got the the the, the drills for in defence, the, the drills for recce. You know, and all of these things have to be learned as well as all the skills and drills of the weapon systems and everything else and then you add the complexity of operating in another country where you have to have some sort of very basic language you've got to understand the customs the culture the the, the toings and froings of, of villages you know we've just had you know afghanistan um clearly is is in the news at the moment and that was that was decades of people fighting in very very complex environments uh, and these guys and girls are now leaving now what they don't have is specific exposure to some of these technologies. But as Ken said, they have the mindset. And as Mark has done, you know, he's used that military experience, that mindset to move into, into technology. So I think, I think it's very important to recognise that, like generally across society, people are more technically aware these days. Military in particular, because the processes and the systems that they have to use are more technically minded uh, and understand technological concepts quite well. Um, but they also have the other stuff that, that's great for a, a consultant, for example. I mean, we put more people into consulting roles than any other. Um, and then when you add to that an opportunity that Pega have provided, and this isn't just an organization, by the way, that said, do you know what? You know, we want to make shed loads of money out of you. Um, so we're going to offer you this platform because it has to be mutually beneficial. There has to be an economic benefit for Pega. Otherwise, the partnership wouldn't work. And that's it. I don't like to work in any other way. Otherwise, if there's no benefit for them, there won't be any value for us. But what they've done is provided that platform. You know, and even the other day, I had a member of the team email me just to see how I was getting on because they knew I'd served given Afghan was in the news. That is, that's the incredible amount of support uh, and, and perception, I suppose, that their teams have of the military um, community. So I think it's very important that people understand the skills that they have coming out, but also the value that, that Pega place on these, these individuals. Um, and then when you're given, you know, as Mark and I weren't necessarily, um, start, at, start at zero. And when you get to 10, you're going to be, you know, ready to pick up a role that could give you anything up to 60, 70, 80 K a year, um, potentially, depending on how technical, you, what technical route you use. Um, you know, that's incredible. And that's 100% free of charge. All they've got to do is apply themselves. You know, they, they've just got to have that right guidance to, to, to know that's a good start point for them. And they've just got to have, you know, that, that, that end goal. You give them that end goal, the only thing that they will struggle to do is to not go beyond it. You know, that's, they, they want to smash it out of the park. So was that, was that a Pega staff member who contacted you about Afghanistan? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I work very closely um, with, with Michael, who's, uh, you know, a, a German veteran. Um, you know, and, but, but additionally, there's other members of the team who have veteran families or are veterans themselves. Um, or neither, but but appreciate appreciate the this sort of uh, the, the experience, the the service that people give, um, and I just thought you know that was in, an incredible in, incredible um, representation of how Pega operate with the military community. That's remarkable self awareness, isn't it? Um, Ken, 
I mean, we, we, we keep coming back to Peg Academy, but um, if, if you were in the market to look at veterans coming out of, particularly the British military at the moment, what skills, uh, what attributes would you be after? Well, so, you know, uh, James talked about something that, um, you know, I've, I, I have, um, I didn't serve in the military. I, I do have, my father did, my uncle did, my father-in-law did. Yes, I do have, I do have, a, I would say an understanding, but not personal experience of, of serving. I had a conversation with my father who, who, um, who served uh, in battle um, um, during the Vietnam conflict. And he, uh, you know, he had an interesting conversation with me and he said, you know, if you look at if you look at the Gulf War and the way that it was fought, you know, there were really it was really not hand to hand. It was really system interference and system. Right. And he said it, it's it's the world now is that you don't need a bigger armor army. You need a more technically savvy army. Right. Like you need. a. am saying army just as a general for military. But it's it's this. That used to be like the larger number of actual physical people that you had. Well, you know, the, the way that the military is built now is to not expect a lot of mass casualties, right? But to use systems to defend and 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 also attack. And you're seeing that with cyber, with cyber hacking, you're seeing what's happening from some, I would say, bad actors in terms of just that's not really military, but it is focused on defense systems of companies. So the first thing I would say is everybody in the military now is going to understand systems, right? Is gonna understand the technology is the way of the world. Whereas when my father served in the 1960s, it was not that way, right? I mean, when you did translation, if you you somehow you had a book and you would flip through and say, what are they trying to say? Now you actually have, you know, Google Translate on your phone and you can actually talk to somebody and get in Farsi and be able to understand in, you know, 72 languages. So it's a different world in terms of the way systems are used. The second thing I would say is the one thing that is not different about the military. And this is, I would say, I would say this is um, consistent with every military institution that I've experienced globally, there are certain things that are taught. Discipline, adherence to process, right? And a lot of that came from, you know, you know, hundreds of years ago, where if you didn't follow a chain of command, people died, right? Like you actually had to have respect for. So when people come out of the military, they have an understanding of systems and technology because they have to. And they understand the adherence to process, the importance of predictability, of getting consistent outcomes, of dealing with, you know, of being able to automate and, and kind of do more with less physical human beings, right? That's kind of, so I, I think that those types of traits that I just mentioned are completely connected to digital transformation, completely connected to solution so solutions that we sell because we're trying to do that for our government and military clients, as well as our commercial clients, our nonprofit clients, where they're all trying to do more with less people, using technology, building robotics and AI to be able to get repeatable outcomes. And I don't think the military is any different than that, right? I think that's, I think that's the way the military operates now. Um, we spend more money, but we don't spend it on people. We spend it on technology, right? And that's kind of the way society is as well. And that puts you in the market to recruit from the military really doesn't it uh, as a sort of as a first as it's a first great re it's a great resource pool charlie because look we are we are always in need of pega skilled 
um, individuals in all of our markets. I, I'll tell you right now, we don't have enough. In any country, in any market, in any vertical, we don't have enough PEGA people. We're hiring, our partners are hiring, our clients are hiring. And so given that, and the natural attrition that happens in the military when they hit certain uh, experience levels where they actually do leave and go into the commercial uh, sector, it's an obvious kind of recruitment path for us where we're getting people that have this rich set of experience, that have the right personality traits uh, and discipline, and they're all over the world where our clients are. So it, it really fits well for what we need as well. Can we get back to Peg Academy uh, and, uh, and and how you would like to see it uh, develop? Uh, when did it start? Uh, let, let's, let's begin with that. Peg Academy has been around for quite a while. Um, it's been a tool that we've used for training our employees, our implementation consultants, and then we extended that over the years to our partners and our clients. M many of our clients, uh, Charlie, have what we call centers of excellence, where they create a center of a team that is focused on being hyper-enabled on PEGA, and therefore they go through the same type of training that our own employees would go through. And in many cases, we have clients and partners that have skills that are well beyond the average PEGA skill, right? We have very, very proficient uh, um, people in the field. So for, uh, for a, a veteran that would would go through a PEG Academy certification and follow a career path, you know, there's a chance that many of them will become equally or even more technically uh, competent around PEGA than PEGA, PEGA employees are themselves, which is, which is, which is great. That's, that's what we love to have. So the PEGA Academy has evolved is, is a different way to think about it. It now is much more interactive. There's, there's kind of chapters and themes. There's different certification levels that you can get. You can kind of start with that business architect and go all the way up to the highest level of certification. And many people do uh, evolve that way. They start as a system architect and then they become a senior system architect and then a lead system architect. And they do that connected to their own uh, career progression. Right. And, and the demands that and there's a you know, as you get further up uh, in terms of the, the, the kind of the certification level, the opportunity for advancement and a material increase in your own personal compensation that you can get grows because there's there's lots of demand as you kind of go up that pyramid. And they're quite frankly, we don't have enough people at any of the levels <laughs> in, in the certification. So we're happy that you know, that we have, you know, James organization supporting us to be able to help get more PEGA, PEGA uh, certified resources out there. As he mentioned earlier, this is a two-way street, right? We want people to learn PEGA because we need those resources in the market to help our clients because we're growing and we need more certified resources. And of course, you know, all of the veterans kind of retiring from the military or leaving active duty want career paths that are connected to what they've learned. So I do think it's a it's a great marriage. It, it is. It is. And also, you know, it's it's what I like about it is our guys and girls sign up. They get access to the academy. Um, but there is someone, uh, Michael in particular, who's straight on it. You know, he, the email goes out. Here's, here's what, you know, here's all the support and guidance we think you should need. Here's the sort of options available. If you've got any questions, let me know. And, and straight away, they've got someone who is there to get them started. Um, and again, you've got the PEGA community, which is fantastic. We've already had one, one member come back to me and said, you know, brilliant. I could just drop questions in there and I had support from other people. And, and that's exactly how TechVets works. You know, we, the, the great success that we've had has come through our community of having people that know what they're talking about 
being on, on, on call remotely, you know, whatever time of day that can just dip into a, a forum and answer a question. Uh, really, really cool. Mark, how do your clients use Peg Academy? If th- through enablement, um, like I, I'm a big believer in an informed owner. Um, and we, we've got a, a lady here, Ad, Admiral Wendy. She's trying to do it for the Navy because they they found them posi- in a position where they've pretty much outsourced everything. You know, BAE, as an example, could tell them you're just going to have to spend 10 million on new turbines. And because they've outsourced all that knowledge, she's found, well, we just have to pay the money. So moving to that informed owner status is 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 for me that that highly valuable and it's what low code brings what pegger academy brings is the fact that you know with inside the military whether you're a uniformed officer or a non-uniformed officer uh, in what we call the public service um the more you understand about the technology that you've got, even though you've got partners potentially that are that are helping you from a capability point of view, put that that project in, um, the better output, the better that you understand what you're getting at the end. The same the same um, same terminology, you're on the same page. Um, and that's extremely valuable. So um, Service Australia work with Defence. We're working on a COE. You you, you mentioned Kentor about Centre of Excellence. Centre of Excellence. So we're looking at developing that for defense. We're talking about it with Service Australia, which is a, you know, our, a huge organization for us. IP Australia use it. I actually track. So the beauty of Pega Academy, we also can track per entity. So everyone that's got, say, defense.gov.au email address, I can show all the different activities on all the different badges because, you know, we, we talked about and, you know, Ken had mentioned and, and you know, the business architect, the, the system architect, there's things like robotics. I mean, the world's your oyster, you know, with, with, with what PEGA can do. So highly valuable. Our clients are absolutely using it. And, and on top of that, as my role, I help them with enablement plans about how can they progress? Where are their gaps? Maybe there's some lessons learned. Um, James talked about the community, and that's right. That's the public side. When we have big accounts, they have a client success manager like myself. You know, I sit down and say, what else do you want to know? Do you want to know about what's coming out with our latest release? Do you want to co- we, we've brought a new feature in because that's the other beauty around you know the the platform we have every time we pull out a new release there's not like an additional cost that comes it's just packed with additional features and better security it's like a win-win so it's about letting our customers know all about that i I feel i gotta buy it it's (laughs) what a pitch fantastic you know you know just to follow up on something mark said which is um which uh is a great point you know we we have visibility uh, through Peg Academy, for any organization to be able to see the skill sets and the certifications that they have within their team. They also have the ability to see what partner skill sets they have. So if they're looking at actually doing the work themselves, they could say, you know, we don't have a, let's use robotics. We don't have a robotics certified person on our team. We really need to get one or two, or we want to leverage a partner. What's their skill set? What are the people that we're getting from that team? And what are the, so it really creates transparency. And when there's transparency, there that there's motivation for people to elevate their skill sets. And so, because there's a vested interest for both the partners and the individuals that work for these companies to elevate because they'll be in higher demand. And as we know, you know, Simple economics says that if, you know, there's going to be a lot of demand, there's shorter supply, you can actually, you know, reap the reward from that in your own personal compensation. So like the military, I mean, the world over, it's very collaborative. Yes, it's, it's, I would say it's, 
very collaborative, excuse me, but also with a level of security and respect for privacy, right? So that's where we have to be very careful because some individuals don't want to share what they have. So they want to just look within their own organizations and other individuals want to publish what their skill sets are. So we've created an environment where you can control the level of what you'd like to expose to other people in the community, but it is a community driven uh, uh, endeavor, yes. James, I think uh, I think we should we should start to wrap this up now. I mean, I feel we've 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 got a picture of Peg Academy, we've got a picture of what Pega does, and uh, we have uh, and uh, we've built an idea about a low code environment. Um, from a tech vet's point of view, I mean, could I ask you to perhaps appeal to other companies like Pega and you know say how you would like them to to collaborate with tech vets? Yeah, of course. I think um, you know, everything that I do at TechVets, I try to make as lightweight and as simple as possible. I try to remove as many barriers as I... As I... You are a low-code chief executive. That's yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're, uh, I mean, but we, we are. We are really lightweight. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the only full-time person and, and we use a community approach, which means that it's far more efficient. I don't need a massive team. I've got, you know, if I put my volunteers together, I've got millions and millions of pounds worth of salaries there that are offering free advice and guidance. You know, when it comes to working with organizations, the only thing that I need to know is, you know, if they've got a demand that they need to meet and I can help them um, by giving them talented people or putting people into jobs, um, you know, then clearly that's that's easy to do. Uh, and, and it's, you know, the other the other aspect of it is, is around the branding, you know, and it's not about it's not about being a company that does great things because veterans are vulnerable. It's about a technology company who is doing wonderful things to bring in more diverse talent into tech, which is incredibly important. It's almost critical and it's not happening enough. Um, a lot of programs are starting to spin up. But what we need is companies that want that approach um, to bring more diverse experience and thought to the current problems that we're facing, the future problems that we will face, you know, and, and working with tech vets to provide access to systems or, or jobs, um, you know, whatever it may be. Fabulous. Thank you very much. I'd like to wrap it up there. Um, if does anyone else have a point they want to make particularly? Ken, are you happy? Uh, there, there was one. Maybe one last point that we haven't touched on. That's a that's different um, with veterans, and it's a very big lever point for us. And it, and and it why there's such a huge prioritization for us around this pool of resources. The the networking within veterans is tremendous, right? I mean, they, they spend a lot of, they, they've served together. They've been in, in pressure situations. And as you all know, pressure situations creates very life, life lasting relationships that does that also happens across countries, right? People that have served in the military from different countries almost have a, have, have a, a kinship, so to speak, right? In terms of a respect for, because the experiences are very similar across all of the different environments, especially those that have been in combat. So I think when, when you get people that come in and work at PEGA that are proud, proud to work at PEGA for our partners, for our clients, it's a great network to find other individuals and to encourage them to come in. So that is a very selfish approach from PEGA because we want to build the PEGA community, but it's also very real. And so I think that that, you know, that isn't the case with all kind of um, common um, experience or roles where people are that tightly connected. But in the veteran community, that's, that's, that's a huge attraction for companies like Pega. 
Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Mark and James as well. Thanks for joining us. For our listeners, you can find out more about TechVets and how to become a member by visiting techvets.co or searching for TechVets on LinkedIn. If you are a business owner or work for a company in the tech industry and want to find out how to get more veterans into your team, drop James Murphy a message via LinkedIn. You'll find all the contacts you need in the description for this post. We'll be back next month with our next Tech Vets podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.